I'm also very excited about I'm in my second life, you know? And so every day I wake up and yeah. I think, how can I make today meaningful? What can I do today that I'll be, that's fulfilling? A big part of that is, I mean, family. Mm-hmm. It's very, very big for me because I know that it's something that I, if I don't put effort into it, I'll regret. And if I do, it'll be rewarding, period. Get ready to tune into stories of average men striving for greatness to become the leaders that are needed in their homes, in their career, and their communities. This is the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. I am your host, Scott Ramage, and I am pumped to be here with my friend, Ty Jones. You know what, Ty? This is really interesting. Every time I type your name into my computer or phone, it autocorrects to thank you. That's and, right. Um, You're welcome, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, hey, for, for, for disclosure, you and I had this conversation. So we've been talking a lot lately. We had this conversation a couple of weeks ago and we recorded and I was good with it. And you, you shot, I hope you're okay with this story. No, it's fine. You shot yeah. me back a message, said my wife was listening and she said that that one sucked. And apparently you were like running a fever and feeling sick. You didn't even say a thing. So that's pretty rad, man. You didn't say yeah. anything and I thought you did a great job. But here we are again. Oh, We're going to have more fun this time. Oh, totally. Totally. I, 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 in this one, I might actually remember having done it. I wasn't aware of how bad it was, but my wife listens to me record all my podcasts and she came in after. She's like, uh, are you sure you want to go with that? That didn't sound very good. You sounded very subdued. I was like, I don't know. I don't I didn't remember doing it. It was awful. You were in some like fever stupor. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I, I anyway, just a terrible joke, but I won't tell it. I'll tell it to you after. So you have a lot of jokes. Anyway, yeah. I was, uh, I, I, uh, Thank you for reminding me to be thankful every time I type your name on my computer. <laughs> what a what a deal. I thought maybe I had set up Yeah, I thought maybe I'd set up the TY to be the the setting, but I think it's a, like a general setting in Apple stuff. So, there we so. go. Yeah, yeah. Well, welcome welcome mm-hmm. brother. Uh it's been cool because we are just back. What is it? It's a Tuesday now. We got back from our my event, the big event, which you were at. Up in it Montana. Was awesome. Yeah. And uh good. I but I'm exhausted. And I just woke up from a like hour nap. <laughs> oh man. I wish oh, I, I could had take a call. Naps. Oh my yeah. gosh. I had a call. I don't I hate them, but I had a call um that was scheduled uns- the, you know, they, they uh rescheduled. I was like, man, I am exhausted. I haven't got caught a break on sleep. So uh we spent what whew, four or five days in Montana together just recently. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was, was uh, really fun. It was great. It, I mean, it was fun, but it was work. I mean, it was like mental work. There you the go. The right kind. Yeah. And so, yeah. and, I, and I think I did it right in that I, I didn't go to it thinking that I was going on vacation, like I was going to get my hair done, you know, my long flowing <laughs> locks. Um, I, I went to it knowing that I'd probably be tired when I got back, yeah. but but I went there to to become a better person. And and I think I, I can't imagine that anybody that was at the event didn't leave there the better for it, for sure. That's awesome. That's great to hear. I, it was so fun. Uh, the one hard part about running the event is that I've always kind of thought I had to be super involved in everything and be super high level and stoic the whole time. And then you, know, you met Jeff. And, yes. And it, that was a re- revelation to me is that, you know, I need to come for, some of that stuff myself and give myself grace for that because it is really highly emotional when you you're running and gunning with a bunch of guys the first night 
it was wheels off. You know, I opened it and then um, some of the guys that were at last year's event were able to share kind of the impact this made on their life. And then, of course, what does that do? It just sets the pace. And so it can be emotionally. It was emotionally exhausting for me uh, to to run that thing and try and be on point and go through kind of that emotional roller coaster that men are going through. It's all really good. I don't want to tell people like, man, I'm not going to that thing. It sounds horrible. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, but forget that. Yeah. Yeah. But it was, it was great. It was, it was really cool. I like to watch people. I like to observe. That's probably my favorite part. It was really interesting. I'd, I'd observe you be interactive and then be solo, then be interactive. And it's funny today. I was like, you know, the way Ty handled that trip, he was interactive with people, but then he took breaks and he was, mm-hmm. you, I could tell you were totally cool with just sitting over there by yourself doing your thing. And I'm like, I'm really jealous that I didn't do that. Because <laughs> yeah. that's how I operate, man. Well, it's kind of like my workflow, you know, as you know, and we'll probably talk about, I'm a software developer. And if you just sit here for eight or 10 hours and try to be productive the whole time, you can't do it. It's not, it's not really possible. You, your productivity starts to drop off after like a critical point. And and so what you have to do is go for a walk or go do something and disengage. And when you do, you you go into, you know, if you've ever read the book, hyper focus, you go into scatter focus. And when you go into scatter focus mode, it's just like you just let your mind wander. And then subconsciously, mm-hmm. all this processing happens in the back end. And then the things that you were focused on during your hyper focus become more meaningful to you. And so that's kind of how I try. I, I consciously did that. I tried to approach this this event, like let's, let me engage and talk to people and then back off and just kind of let my mind wander and, you know, call my wife or whatever and just play pool. And then or Pac-Man as it were, cause I played a lot of Pac-Man. <laughs> um, I had the high score by the way. I, w- I want you to know that. Um, that's awesome. <laughs> but then during that, that scatter focus time, just like let my brain process and then re-engage and it, and it worked out great for me. I think I, it was product. It was very productive for me. I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to take that. I'm already making plans on how to implement some of that for myself. Um, and so I, it's so cool because I go away from these things. I learn I'm running this. I've always kind of thought I have to be the pace setter. And I realize that's not, tr- I, I set a tone. I set a culture. I set a, I set an expectation, but I don't, you know, there's, there's ways that I can get more out of this and give more out of this without exhausting myself. So Watching you is it was actually a really great lesson for me. I, I don't know that you oh. knew this, but I was observing. I was like, you know, if I were here, I'd be doing the same thing Ty is doing. <laughs> like if I were here on my own accord, right? And uh, and so it just really got me thinking. And then talking with you know Jeff, one of the guys that was there, who had really incredible insights, some real high level of wisdom, in my opinion, uh, as well as a few other guys. But uh, first of all, just publicly thank you for coming. And especially for, I mean, you, you've been married, you'll be married 27 years, just like me. Yeah. Uh, which is a long time, dude. I mean, it, that's a long time. You have three kids. Your kids are kind of right in between mine. I think 17, mm-hmm. well, you're, um, you're going to test me here. 17 yeah. and 13 are two ages, right? Correct. 17, 15 and 13. Yep. Yep. Nailed it. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, mine's, you know, 18 and is it, or is it 19? Shoot. I don't even know. <laughs> uh, and 15. So if we're kind of sandwiched in there. But I mean, that's a that's a lot to leave behind. 
It so is. This was, you know, like you, you say, hey, ba- hey, babe, I'm going to go spend money and leave you. So, <laughs> yeah. You know what? I, 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 you know, I've got to process a lot uh, after the big event, you know, the last few days and just think about what I was grateful for at the event. And, and something that I've done this year that I haven't really done for, I, for the last 27 years. I, I really haven't had a focus on bonding and, you know, kind of co-mentoring with other men. I, you know, it occurred to me that I don't really have any friends. I mean, I have friends that I kind of hang out with, but, but I don't set time aside to spend with other men. And, and this was a great experience. And earlier in the year, I, I went on a trip to Costa Rica with my best friend, my brother-in-law and another really good friend of mine. And we, we, we rented motorcycles and we just like what we could carry on the motorcycles, what we had. And we traveled all over the country and just stayed at like some kind of sketchy hotels and some really nice hotels and a lot of time on the beach and off road and river. It was great. It was great. But it's like, I didn't do it for, for decades. And now all at once I have two events where I engage with other men that are, you know, good dudes and I didn't go as deep on the Costa Rica trip. It wasn't as much of, you know, it, it didn't have the same right. purpose, but it it like brought to my attention how important that was because I feel better than I felt in a long time. And I, I attribute a big part of that to connecting with other men. I think that's important. Yeah. How do we get that message out other than shouting it from the podcast? And, you know, um, is, <laughs> you could, you could form a brotherhood. Hey, what a great idea. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah. And that was the whole idea behind this thing. And and here it is, you know, two years into events. And my favorite part of all of this is you and I've known each other for five years, maybe. Yeah, and, right around there. You know, it's been a while. Uh, have we even met in person before this? Uh, one time. Uh, we yeah. had that. Uh, we oh, had the, that event in Colorado. Colorado, yeah. We had when, when you were event. still with Level Method. Yep. That's right. That's right. So, you know. We met when you were working as a software developer for Level Method. I was there for sales and customer service from early on, mm-hmm. and that's right. Your but your wife was there too at the Colorado uh, thing. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. was. That was that's the only time I've been able been able to get her to go to one of these offsites with me. Other than that, that's that was it. So you got to meet her. That was cool. Yeah. So, uh, it but the, but the really cool thing is I have all these. I all these connections with men all over the North America, basically. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I know them so well, but when you get in a room with them, there's another, just a, a whole nother level, especially an event like the big event where kind of wheels off on, you know, you don't, you don't really, you kind of take off the filter and you yeah. let people really know what's oh, going yeah. on yeah. and you talk through it. Well, that's what I so, loved about it. I mean, I, I yeah. it wasn't lost on me that these were men that I would, I would consider good men. I not, mm-hmm. not one of them would I consider a bad person. I mean, there were no Jeffrey Dahmers there. Um, these were all good dudes. <laughs> not right? that we know of, yeah. but, but they were, you know, they weren't guarded. It was the way you ran the event. It allowed everybody to let their hair down and just, just admit all the bad things that they've done or experienced and, and their hurts and, you know, and that's real. That was so real. It was more real than any other event I think I've ever been to. You know, no other group. You get these in churches, you get these men's groups and, you know, they're like, let's mentor each other. But they're very guarded. They don't want to admit all the yeah. crap they've done in their lives. But that wasn't the ex- the experience there. Maybe it was because 
very few of us knew each other outside. Like, so we had some sort of like some level of anonymity, but I don't know that it was that because, you know, I know you and I was unguarded for the first time in decades. Um, you know, I, it was, it was a very special thing. And again, you know, like you said, people that are listening, they're like, well, I don't want to go do that. I mean, dudes are crying (laughs) and, but they were also (laughs) hugging and we're also shooting guns and we were, you know, and, so it was just a real experience and it was meaningful. It was awesome. Yeah. I'm going to yeah, say that again. Thank you very again. much. It was awesome. <laughs> well, I, I'll, I'll take all of it. You know, speaking of guarded, we did talk a lot about things that have plagued each one of us, you know, over years in our marriage, in our life, in our, in our journey, in our businesses or careers. And um, something that you are quite open and, and shared with me in the notes is that you've, you've struggled a little bit in life. You've struggled with, uh, just maybe is it depression? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. I've, I've, I've struggled with depression through my life. I will say this. I haven't for the past 12 months. I, I awesome. read, I read the book feeling good by David Burns. And I realized that not everybody that reads that book is going to get out of it. What I got out of it, but it was a book that was recommended me like 10 years ago by the preacher at my church. He, his dad had committed suicide when he was a teenager and he had struggled with depression. And that book came out, I think in 1980 and in the eighties, he read that book and he said, since then he's never struggled with depression. And of course me being the moron that I am, when he recommended the book, I was like, yeah, yeah, that's great, but it's different for me. And then about a year ago, I went out to to rebuild the fence. I rent a house. It's on an acre and the, the fence was falling down. And so I said, hey, I'll, I'll rebuild the fence for you if you want, if you pay for the materials to my landlord. And she's like, oh, that'd be great. So I go out and I start digging post holes and it's just, you know, weeks of work out there. And I start listening to this book as I'm building the fence. And I swear on all that is good and holy, I have not had a moment of depression since I read that book. So wow, it, it's that's a powerful one. It's definitely my favorite book that Jeez. I've ever read. It was a really, really good one. That's that's a pretty amazing book review. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, and the, and the history behind it, your dad, you know, recommended it, who knows how long, whatever you said. No, no, it was the preacher at my church. Oh, the preacher. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's an interesting cat. He He is a professor of ethics, and uh, world religions. He teaches a, a number of classes. Ethics is probably like logic and ethics are the biggest ones at the university here. Mm. And then he he teaches world religions. And, and I've talked to many people through the years that have taken his world religions class. And the challenge is always to f- for them to figure out what religion he subscribes to. And nobody ever can because he teaches it so unbiased. He certainly doesn't oh. inject any bias into it. And that's important for him, right? So he teaches right. that. Um, so he's a very, very educated guy, but you wouldn't know it when you meet him because he's got a strong Tennessee accent. Um, <laughs> you know, he just he just comes off as this laid back dude from the South. Right. And then you find out that he can literally read Greek and translate it real time in English. That's pretty impressive. He's a very educated yeah, guy. Yeah, usually usually that's Greek to me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I knew it was coming. Spe- uh, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of uh, jokes, dude. Uh, Total, total change of direction here. And we'll, we'll move back to that. But uh, <laughs> you have more dad jokes than anybody I ever <laughs> have met ever. It's a, it's a collection, you know, it's fun. It's oh just, I gosh. enjoy them. But Hey, speaking of jokes, I will say this, the typical response of men when you start to go deep is to make a joke out of something. 
And, right. And you can tell when people are guarding themselves by how quickly they turn to humor. And we generally didn't do that at this event. That was another thing that I really noticed. I, Yeah, there was joking around, but it wasn't in a guarded way. It was like in the off times, we would joke a lot. But when we were going deep, people wouldn't throw out jokes to like try to lighten the mood. We're like, let's just stay here. Let's stay in this deep moment and think about this. And that was amazing. That was a really, really neat aspect of when we were around the fire at night and we were talking, nobody was just like throwing out jokes to make it lighthearted because, because there was like respect for what was happening. Yeah. Yeah. There's a magic on that around the fire pit, isn't there? Oh yeah. Oh, it, fire. It, it, it's very, it's, it's very primal, you know, it's primal for sure. It really is. Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, it's just, there's just something to it. I was kind of sad the last night it was raining. And we couldn't really hang out by the fire. The weather yeah. was amazing before that, but um, but the rain was cool right. in its own way. I mean, it, it, it didn't rain it out the event, so it was cool that it finished with no. that. You know, if if at all, yeah, yeah. And you were you're recovering from a soldier or sh- soldier <laughs> shoulder surgery. Yeah, uh, that was fun. It it was a bummer <laughs> because uh, the one thing that I that I really wish that I could have done and engaged with was the jujitsu. That looked amazing. I, I really wanted to do that. I, I, in fact, just so you know, I listened to the last podcast that you released and I, I talked to you about this with Matt Thornton, right? That's his name from, yeah. from SBG. Yes. And, and then after coming back from the big event and watching you guys do all the rolling and stuff, I was inspired. And so I, so I actually have a friend who owns a jujitsu gym right down the street from wow. my gym. And so I reached out to them and they're like, yeah, yeah, $279 a month and your whole family unlimited classes. And I was like, all right. So I told my, my wife and my kids, I'm like, Hey guys, we're doing jujitsu and it's not an option. And I got a little pushback at first, but, yeah. but ultimately they all gave in. I was like, look, you know, I said to my daughter when she pushed back, she's like, that's a lot of time. I don't know. And I said, Hey, that's fine. But one day when you're walking to your car in the middle of the night and a guy grabs you from behind, there's going to be fear in your heart. But, and you know, fast forward 60 seconds when he's unconscious on the ground, cause you choked him out. You're going to thank me for this. <laughs> so, you know, I, it's important to me that, that cause she's very athletic. Yes. She's so athletic and explosive, but she's still, you know, a 105 pound little girl. And right. If she doesn't have skills, a 180 pound guy is going to dominate her easily. But if she has skills with her athleticism, that could be the difference maker right there. That's big. Oh, oh, hundred percent. And I think, I don't know if I was telling you or, uh, someone else. So one of my guests who I'm sure you've listened to, uh, Matt Shoup, uh, yeah. he owns a BJJ studio and he's, he's, he's the painted baby guy, right? Yes. Yeah, yes. I, I, I got his book and, and listened to his whole book. So oh, it was great. Awesome. He's an amazing guy. I'm really enjoying getting to know him. Well, he took his daughter, his teenage daughter, to Spain. He loves Spain. Mm, Have yeah, I told yeah. you this story? Well, I remember him talking on your podcast about his okay. big event was the Spain travels. So, yes. yeah. Yeah. So, oh, I do remember He took this. her for a month. Yeah. Yeah. He took her for a month. Just, uh, just, I mean, he just got back maybe three weeks ago or something, but they went to the car and got attacked. Oh man! And guys came to her side. I think it was a taxi, and started to try and pull her away. And um, that didn't go well for her those training, guys. <laughs> no, it did not. You talking about a black belt in jujitsu? It oh, did not. Yeah, yeah. He, he did move, not guys. go into details. Yeah, he didn't go into details in his Facebook post. I messaged him like, dude, 
but he talked about how his daughter responded because of her training uh-huh. and then how he responded and those guys really had wished they hadn't done it. Yeah. And so I'm like, dude, you got to come on the podcast and tell a story. So I think we're, we're scheduled like next week or something. So that's going to follow up with this. But the gift that he, so we talked, you know, I talked to Matt Thornton last time uh-huh. about the gift of violence. And yeah. then you have that story. And now you're talking, you had this conversation with your daughter. It's kind of coming full circle. I can't wait to tell that story. Yeah. But it's really exciting to hear that you are having these conversations. You're taking this leadership step with your family. Hey, I know you don't necessarily want to do this or understand, but I understand a bigger picture here and I need you to trust me. That's really cool. And it must have been hard. And 279 for a family, that's a, that is a steal. I know. I was shocked. I was I was planning on, you know, north of 500 a month and I was still willing yeah. to do it because it's that important. Right. And to be honest, it's also going to be the only thing that my whole family does together, which I think is going to be meaningful because my daughter yeah. plays competitive soccer. My son races motocross and now he's joining the football team. My youngest son is like into cooking. He plays the cello and he loves video games. My wife plays volleyball. And we do weightlifting, but there's not one thing that ties us all together. We all have our activities, but this will be it. And I, I think it'll be meaningful. And I told them, I said, my the, my goal for this is to bond our family, but also ultimately, I'm going to be very happy when all three of you guys can tap me out. If if yeah. my daughter can tap me out being, you know, a 185 pound guy, but she's younger and more athletic and definitely smarter than me. If you can tap me out even once, like, you know, that's going to be very meaningful to me. I'm excited about that prospect. Yeah, I think it's really exciting. It's a regret I have not having done jujitsu. It's a regret I have not getting my boys involved in it. And so I was actually last year during our event, Mm -hmm. I did some rolling with my son, but my neck was so jacked up. It was so bad. I was frozen up weeks before and it made it worse, but I tried it Um, and I could, I was just barely involved. This year, I started doing the warm-ups, and two things happened. I was really tired, but I felt very awkward trying to under watch the instruction and do it. Uh-huh. And then um, I did that one warm-up where he fell back, and my neck just jammed up immediately. I'm like, I'm out. Yeah. But what happened as a result, unfortunately, is my son was like me too. And uh, um, yeah, you know, yeah. he was 15, and, and it's a little young for this event, in my opinion. And so that was... But I talked to him, and he's like, well... I said, here's my struggle. I really struggle with instruction and group where there isn't, where I don't get to do it. I'm watching somebody, but then I don't have somebody watch and move me. Because when they said like, slip your arm here and then here, I'll get like one. I'm like, where's my arm supposed to go? I'm just standing there like a ding dong because I don't know where to go. And I was talking to him. I said, you know, this kind of thing is really hard for me. I'm a kinesthetic learner. I have to do it. And with someone just showing, this is not my learning style. So I learned, I've known this about myself, but the, the the what came from that is like, hey, Corbin, why don't we do, we both have this learning style where we actually have to do it. Why don't we just go get private lessons, the two of us, because when you do private lessons, you need to have two people. Like, why don't we go start that way so that, because this is how we learn and we have one person paying complete attention, moving our hands and, and teaching us so we can actually get kinesthetically comfortable with this thing and also a little more protective on my neck while I build up that the structure and that mobility that's needed. Yeah. And so I'm super excited about that. And he was actually too, he's been very guarded against jujitsu. He's like, eh, I don't know. I don't want to roll on the ground with a bunch of guys. You know, it's kind of that thing. Yeah. So, but again, that's uh, like, again, that's that unguarded thing. It's there. It's very, yeah, it, it's not sexual, obviously, but it's very intimate. And, no. and that oh, is, yeah. that's powerful. 
You know, like my buddy, his his sons all wrestled in high school. He's a good friend of mine. Mm. And his youngest son got into jujitsu pretty heavily. And uh, and he's actually he runs our youth group. Uh, his his youngest son. Great guy. Goofy. Oh, you never awesome. know he's good at jujitsu. And he like he when he turned 18, he decided to enter a local competition um, against like all the Reno Police Department officers and stuff. And and it, I guess he just like went in and mopped oh, wow. the floor with everybody. He like he submitted everybody sh- very quickly. <laughs> and and he was like completely, uh, you know, underestimated because he's kind of a lanky, you know, young looking kid. They're like, ah, I got to kill this kid. And he just destroyed everybody. That having been said, I will say this. When I was watching you warm up, the first thing that popped in my head was like, what a ding dong, you know, what is he doing? I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) No, but I think that Jarrett, who ran the jujitsu this year, I don't think, I mean, the fact that you didn't engage in it, I'm sure he was like, oh, that'd be cool if Scott did it. But I think that if he knows and hopefully listens to the podcast, if he knows that that inspired you guys to go pursue it, I think he'll, he'll feel really good about that because whether you were on the mats or not, if you actually, if it spurred you and inspired you to go do it, I mean, how could he not be happy about Uh, that? He loves this dude. He did a, he did an amazing job. And the thing that I love about Jarrett was he's passionate about the brotherhood. Mm -hmm. He's passionate about this, this event because he came last year, but he's passionate about helping people become passionate about jujitsu. Yeah. And he's just really really good at i thought he did just a freaking amazing job and every guy that came talk to me like that was awesome and it was all levels of guys Mm -hmm. it was all levels guys but what i really loved is not because we did it internally with an internal guy and we did it on site which was really cool what i really loved was the fact that we got the instruction but then then he let people roll and people were sweating buckets yeah and so they actually got really good workouts we had black eyes we had big bruises but guys got really good workouts and and um when we did the seminar last year sbg did it and it was amazing travis ran it from sbg montana but you know what does he know he doesn't know anybody ahead of time right and it's really hard you know you're like how far do i take these guys so having somebody and no judge against him i mean everybody's told me he did a phenomenal job but having somebody that knew each guy and had a personal investment in each guy and had a personal investment. It was amazing. Well, yeah. And, and then and after the rolling, Jared, Jared could like sure. hang out with everybody and talk right. to them about it. Talk to them all through yep. the evening during the downtimes. And then, Hey, tomorrow we're going to work on these other things like that dialogue. That's, that's something that you can't do unless you're internal. That's right. you just can't. Yeah. 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 Uh, Hey, uh, Thanks for doing the cold plunge right in front of me. Because I was like, I don't need to do a cold plunge. Oh, They're miserable so for me. I, and then you just I love dropped it in so like, much. Mm. It feels so good. Well, the only cold plunge, I do cold showers. The only cold plunge I'd ever done was with Matt Chenard at where you had to break the ice on the water. And it was uh-huh. snowing outside. And it was That's negative so something outside. I love that so much. And, <laughs> and I was like, this is horrible. My body literally, my legs did not work afterwards. Yeah. It was insane. They literally did not work. And it the pain was so intense. I was like, I need some, like maybe a little more like let's start a little less. Yeah. Extreme. Yeah. And so a little more, I really, I really enjoyed it for sure. No yeah. Doubt. I really enjoyed it. And, um, it, it was really fun. We, we had those tubs up there, but, uh, just seeing it was, it was really interesting. Here's the deal. Here's, here's what I'm trying to say, I guess, is I learned a lot from you and I learned a lot from every guy watching how you handle things, what you enjoy, what you engage in, what you kind of sat back from, 
like I learned, I personally took away a lot and I watched the joy, like you having joy doing the plunge. I'm like, I can get there too. Yeah. And that was really encouraging to me. And I'm like, you know, I've wanted to do this by this, this plunge thing, whatever they're called, um, for a while. And Kim wants one. Now I got this new house I'm going to move to with a huge garage with a gym in it. I'm going to put a gym in it. I'm like, it's natural. Now I'm like encouraged and excited to do it because I watched the joy you had. And I'm like, okay, this is going to be fun. It's addictive, man. You get in there. So many gifts. And and yeah, there's there's no doubt when you first get in, you get that shock, that feeling to your body. Yeah. You're like, this is horrible. Why am I doing this? Right. But then you know, like, well, you don't know at first, but after you do it for a while, you get this huge dopamine hit and you feel good. Your circulation's better. You're sleeping better. Everything's better. It's easier to lose weight. So if you're, you know, if you're, I'm almost 50. So if keeping your body weight down is a challenge for you, it's very helpful. Start producing brown fat. So there's all these payoffs. And so the addiction isn't that like, I can't wait to be cold and freezing. It's, I can't wait to get that payoff. You know, it's kind of like people that get addicted to running. You don't always enjoy the moment of running or CrossFit. You don't always enjoy the, like doing it, but when you're laying on the ground, and you know that that the adaptation is happening and that you did something that was challenging, but but there's a payoff to it. The other thing that I like about it is people that like discomfort, that that daily gauntlet, which I believe in. I think that daily gauntlet, you should do something uncomfortable every day of your life. Don't sit around and be comfortable. Even on vacation, be uncomfortable. Yep. But if you reach to something like CrossFit or weightlifting or running and you you reach for that for the discomfort, you can very easily overtrain and hurt yourself. That's a real problem for people that get addicted to it. So this can feel, fill that gap. Not only can it help you recover from those things so that you're not overtraining, but you can get that daily discomfort without having to overtrain and hurt yourself. So I think that's, I haven't really heard people talk about that side of it, but for me, that's like a revelation that I had. And I think it's important. I think that- I do too. People that chronically overtrain should really consider getting a gold pledge if for no other reason than to just get their their discomfort fix for the day so they can feel good about having done something hard. Yeah, it, I think there's a lot of talk. It's been a it's been a hot topic for a minute for sure is, you know, doing something hard every day, but mm-hmm. it's been incredibly beneficial in my life and that's why there's a lot of talk about it. Yeah. Like as soon as I learn to embrace the discomfort a little bit, it come becomes easier and easier then in turn kind of creates a problem where it's like, okay, what's the next discomfort? But on Sunday I was exhausted. Mm-hmm. I was exhausted. It was like 105 outside. I was like, you know what? I think I'd just feel better if I did something hard. And so I went for a rock. Nice. And you know, I threw, I think my pack was 30 pounds and I went for a rock. I think I did three miles. I probably lost 20 pounds of uh, water weight. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but there's, one a little bit of addiction level but the, it was it was the after exactly like i just yeah. accomplished this it was ridiculously hard and i didn't want to and i did it and so what i've learned is that the more i do that the more i can attach to that feeling of accomplishment the more i can attach hard things to a really euphoric like accomplished feeling but all that's going to do is continue to make me stronger and stronger harder to kill easier to love more adaptable there's no downside. No, other than really maybe dying of heat exhaustion. <laughs> there is that possibility, but whatever, you know, like you got to just put that aside. I ah, mean, small, you can small details. You can hurt yourself doing anything, but no, I, I mean, I think that uh, talking to my kids about there's this conundrum in life, which is that 
the things that we reach to to make us happy never make us happy and the things that we that we dread doing because we know we're going to be uncomfortable doing it actually are the things that make us happy working out makes us happy eating healthy makes us happy doing cold plunge makes us happy serving others and being uncomfortable doing it makes us happy eating pie feels good but it doesn't make us happy you know, sitting around watching Netflix feels comfortable, but it ultimately, whoever watched, uh, binge watched an, a show and said, man, I feel great. I feel revived after having done that. Like right. I feel fulfilled. Now there are some shows that are really good. I'm not going to lie. There are some that are like, wow, I'm actually glad I watched that. Like that was good, but it still didn't make you a better person. It didn't make you feel happy overall in the long run doing that. And so I like to talk to my kids about that on a regular basis don't be fooled by comfort. Comfort is not happiness. It just isn't. And people think that it is, and it's not. And so, uh, I don't know. I just think that's an important thing that, that in this country, in this culture, we equate comfort with happiness to a great degree. Dean Carnase's book, uh, Ultra Marathon Man, I, I ran one of the marathons with him when he did the Endurance 50. And that was one of the, the lines in the beginning of the book that like really resonated with me. He's like, somewhere along the way in this country, we started equating comfort with happiness. And it's just not true. In fact, it's the opposite often. Ooh, that's, that's good, brother. That's really good. I think it's one of the reasons I really like doing some of those hard things we do at the event. Yeah. Like I love going on that. We went on a hike, you know, or a rock, whatever you want to call it. If you were carrying weight, it would be a rock. If you just, if you weren't, it's just a hike. We went on that. That was uncomfortable. I would say that no matter what the fitness level, it was uncomfortable for everybody. Yeah. It was warm. The beauty was insane, right? Mm -hmm. But it was hard. It was a it was a mile of elevation gain and of two point five miles. That's that's a pretty that's a pretty big climb. For, and most people were from flatland, not you, but most people were from really low level right. places like myself. Where if I go out for a rock ruck, I have to work really hard to get to a place where there's actually any hills. In fact, I go alongside the golf course so I can go up and down on purpose. But it's really cool to watch guys kind of like suffer through that. And then at the end, just have like this, you see the euphoria, like we pull all pulled over and jumped in the lake and it, everyone was just on like a complete playful, like this is exhilarating. I love that. I just sweated my balls off. And then I went and jumped in a glacier lake. Yeah. Uh, it was really rad. Well, it was, it was also, cool. it wasn't, it didn't hurt that there was like rain and lightning on the other side of the lake off in the distance. And it just, again, very primal feeling. It was really neat. It was a it really was. special experience. Although some yeah, of the, some it, of the people, the families that were there when we like descended upon them and started <laughs> screaming and doing flips off the dock. They, I mean, we weren't being disrespectful or anything, but it just was a little intimidating no. for a few of them. They're like, I think we're going to leave. I, this is, this is getting crazy. <laughs> This grown man in their underwear jumping in the <laughs> lake. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was that was absolutely a highlight. Both of those things were actually uh, there was so many highlights. What was your greatest takeaway? I, I mean, I, I I got out of it what I wanted to get out of it, which was go there and let my guard down. And mm -hmm. and I I you know there's always this fear. Let your guard down, and you're gonna feel ashamed and embarrassed and. And I mean, if we're really honest with ourselves, there's a maybe a little bit of that, but but then when the response from the other men is, "Hey, man, we're all like that," <laughs> there's solidarity. It's okay. 
Um, you got to have a space like that. Obviously, if you, if you're in a space with a bunch of guys that are going to just make jokes and stuff and they're not going to take it seriously, then it's, then yeah, then it's going to be a terrible experience. But if you, if you can find a situation like that, and that's really what you're trying to nurture and curate is this environment for real men. I mean, we've got dudes that have like been at war and killed people and been Mm -hmm. injured. And, you know, I mean, like it doesn't get any more manly than the dudes that are there. Like, that's it. That's like, you can't get more manly than that. Except maybe uh, Dick Dick Buckus or something like that. But anyway, and yet everybody let their guard down. And I think that we need that as men. We have to get in a situation, not all the time, every day, right? But you got to set time aside to let your guard down and, and talk and be real. And that was the biggest takeaway is the importance of that. I mean, I, I could say there were other things, but if I'm really honest with myself, that was it. That was the thing that yeah. I haven't had in my life for decades. And I finally got a taste of it and I thought it was meaningful. And so, yeah, engage with other men and, and do that. That's good. That's really good. And it is what I want. I want, you know, the, the three pillars. Yeah, uh, auth- vulnerability, authenticity, and intentionality. And my my message was: go home and be intentional about the things you learn about yourself and how you want to move forward. It's interesting because I came home. I had a few days with my wife who I missed. I've been married to her twenty seven years. You know, uh, I missed her. We're like best friends. I miss her so much. But when I'm away on it, you know, doing my own event, I'm immersed in all of the stuff I have to do. I'm immersed in the conversations I'm having. The 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 stepping away and and the thought that's going on. And it's like, I have to work to remember to call her. And she left Sunday or Monday for a girl's trip for a work trip. So she's actually somewhere in Mexico now on the beach, but she hasn't done that for herself. So I think it's incredibly important for men to experience it. So they understand the importance of that for their wives as well. Mm-hmm. And it was really interesting process. I was, I texted her this morning or yesterday. I'm like, wow, it's really interesting being on the other side because I have to work really hard to make sure I connect with you every day. And here I am at home going, man, why isn't my wife calling, <laughs> calling me? But I think um, we need to, as men, number one, we're the worst at this. We need to make space to be in situations where we can be vulnerable with other men, like-minded men mm-hmm. who are have our and their own best interest at heart. And then we also need to be able to provide those opportunities for our loved ones. And I think it's it would just help a lot in the home. And so it, it's just been an interesting introspection as I come, it kind of came full circle because, you know, she's like, I'm always at home, I'm always working at home. And I don't, get away and and but she also didn't want to i mean her instinct was like ah, i don't want to go Maybe yeah I'll yeah go so, and, well just like uh, you said go. before the event like everybody there had made excuses and tried to find some reason oh, yeah. not to go and i mean not just because they knew they were going to be uncomfortable but because there's life going on there's stuff happening right and your wife seems yeah. to be a very regimented person where she's like i got x y and z and i got to get this done and if you say oh, oh no no put that on the side put that on the back burner and go do this other thing where you're not moving some ball forward in a goal you're working on that's stressful to her i'm sure but but when she but you're like no no go go be with these women or woman or whoever she's hanging out with a best friend or whatever that's valuable and she's got to do it fortunately for my wife she's always done that i've never had a hard time but i've always supported it she she would go play volleyball tournaments she'd go out of state we we had a newborn and a two-year-old and my wife's like hey ty you're this new dad and you know, I'm going to just leave these kids with you and I'm going to go to Texas for four days and play volleyball with my friends. And, uh, that was hard. Uh, that was, 
<laughs> that was like uh, 13, 14 years ago that she did this. And, uh, but I supported it and I was very glad that I did because she came back happier and felt good. And she's always had this connection with the other uh, you know, women in her life that are close friends, but I haven't had it. And so, and, and I haven't, and she's always been okay with it. It's just not been something that's a priority for me. And so this event really reinforced that that should be a priority, not just in my life, but other men's lives. Yeah, I agree. It was interesting. I started, she is very regimented and this is a good message for men in general who have wives who run by checklists and it's okay if the magic coffee table's broken for a while. Right. You know, it's okay. Well, I, I was like, you know, I kind of started to sense this, this overwhelm and I, I just kind of sat her down. I said, here's the deal. Let's write a list of everything you're stressed about. And I'm going to do everything within my power to do those things on the list that I can do. And so the first morning she's gone, I worked like three hours straight and I was able to text her and be like, done, 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 done. And I just watched her like long distance wise, just guard went just like took a breath and then she's been enjoying it. So I think that's really important for spouses to understand is that sometimes we have to do the work to allow our spouse to come down, relax and enjoy what they're doing and when they're doing it. Yeah. Like, so they don't feel like the whole world's falling apart around them while they're enjoying themselves that, that everything's going to be okay because you got their back. That's important. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You, uh, you are almost 50. I'm turning 50 tomorrow. Oh man. Happy birthday, dude. If I don't, I probably won't talk to you tomorrow. Uh, So I hope it's a good one. No, probably not. Thank you. There's an interesting thing you wrote in your notes when kind of asking about, um, you know, what you want to talk about. And you said something that kind of really rings with me. And it's a Confucius quote. It says, we have two lives. The second begins when we realize that we only have one. And I I was like sitting there. I'm like, you know, I really am in that second life. Absolutely. And I think I think you are too. I mine hit it started to kind of start to create like 3 years ago and I think it started to really culminate and come together where I'm really feeling free. I'm really feeling like I'm stepping into a whole new zone, getting a whole new cadence uh you know, last 6 to 8 months however long it's been. And uh and you writing that is like, "Oh, there's so much truth to this. You're doing all sorts of stuff at almost 50. You're doing all sorts of new things. Yeah. Uh, tell us about that and how, how, how this, how this was working for you and, and kind of give us some context around. Oh man, this. you know, I, I struggle giving myself credit for things that I do, but so I guess number one, I went back to school after 17 years to finish my master's degree in computer science. It, it was weird because I had, I had done enough coursework to graduate with my master's degree, and I think I had a 3.7 GPA, but there was no course-only option to graduate at the time. And then like two years after I took my last class, and I I had gone off to work, and I'm like, "Ah, I don't have time to do my professional paper, which is like a small uh, dissertation. I just didn't want to do it, and I was too busy, and, and I thought, I'll never care about this. And so I didn't do it, but then two years after I stopped going to school, apparently there was this course only option. So had I gone back at that time and said, Hey, I want to graduate. They would have said, here's your diploma. And I could have just been done, but now it's been 17 years. Fortunately, I have been working in the industry. So I have been continually learning and sharpening my skills as a tech guy. So when I went back, they uh, initially said, this is too long. 
your your credits don't count anymore. But then when when I talked to them, they said, well, you've been working in the industry. So I'll tell you what, they basically made me a deal. They said, because they wanted my tuition money, I think was a big part of it. <laughs> but they said, which was actually shocking how much it was to take like one three credit course. But um, they said, if you'll take these two classes, analysis of algorithms and operating systems, then we'll let you graduate. And so I was like, all right. So I went back and I Last semester, I finished uh, operating systems, and then next semester, I have to do analysis of algorithms, and then I can finally graduate. So that's one like kind of new thing. It's like you know, was an old thing. Now it's a new thing. Um, yeah. Started podcasting. Found that I really liked it because I think people are just so damn interesting. They really are. Even what yeah. most people would consider boring people, if you could like unscrew their the top of their head like a jar of mayonnaise and look inside, you'd be maybe a little horrified, but at the same time, it would be very interesting. It'd be fascinating. When you get people talking about the things that they're passionate about, it's just, I don't know. I, I love listening to people's stories. Um, so that's really cool. So I, I like just took to that, not because I'm some sort of you know great podcaster, but because I enjoy it. And when when somebody's talking to you and they can tell that you're really listening to them, it inspires them to keep talking and really open up. And so I think I'm good at listening. I mean, I do talk a lot, don't get me wrong, but I'm good at listening as well, I think. And so I, I pull stuff out of people and it makes it fun. So so started that. I, I can tell yeah, you want to say I, something about that. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, I do. I do. You have Turtle on a Fence Post, which mm-hmm. is a very cool title. I think you got it from one of my podcasts. I did. I stole that. I steal everything. Confucius. That's awesome. You. I How do you not? Nobody's safe, really. Yeah. No one's safe. Yeah. <laughs> but I've listened to some of the solo episodes you did and uh, on that, and I, I loved them. Oh, I absolutely. Thanks, like, they, these are early podcast episodes, and typically it takes somebody quite a while to really kind of get into their groove. But you came at it because you like data. Mm-hmm. You came at it with this like, hey, here's this. And I learned this from this book. And this author says this. And this researcher says this. And one, you did one on like the two lives of a, of a youth. Yeah. You know what they. The two worlds yeah, that, that they one, live in. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That was so cool because it's so true. Um, so I'd encourage parents to go listen to that episode. It's an early episode of Turtle on a Fence. It's actually episode number uh, one. It's the very first one okay. I did. Yep. There you go. Yeah. And and then there was another one that you did on failure, which I really related to. I, I have become to realize that failure is really the way that you grow. Yeah. And I had to stop looking at failure as failure as a step back and start looking at it as as you know the catapult forward. And you had some really great because of the way you approach the topics. You do the research. I'm not a research guy, so I just get in and talk to people. But you did the research. It's like, and I think I've I've like talked about it like on three different podcasts a couple of mine and then on other ones that i was a guest on uh-huh. well my friend ty was you know yeah was, yeah it, and so um i've learned a lot and it's really cool and then you got plastic princess which yeah. is your motorcycle yeah one. we're supposed to so actually record exciting, episode we just started it but i think it's going to be episode four we were supposed to do it yesterday, but the our the guy we were going to interview, um, super interesting guy, by the way, just very charitable, heart of a servant dude. Um, and when I reached out to him, I, I know him through Facebook. He said, "Why me?" And I was like, "Dude, are you kidding me?" Like he he doesn't give himself credit. He's like a, a very accomplished right. photographer. He's been in the industry of motorcycles for years and years. And I, I don't know if any of you follow. I know first of all, I know Vaughn does, but follow the the, the sport of motocross, but. 
he he gives away. So he's got a group of guys that they build motorcycles like 80s, 85s, and they give them to underprivileged kids whose parents can't afford a motorcycle. Well, that's really And that's cool. like a thing that he's done for years and years. And the second motorcycle he ever gave away, this is going to mean anything to you because you don't follow the sport, but he gave it away to B-Ray. So uh, Vaughn, if you're listening, B-Ray is the second motorcycle that this guy gave away. So um, that's going to be the next episode that we're recording. I think it's going to happen tomorrow or the next day. So I'm excited about that. Awesome. One, yeah. Awesome. Well, I think you have a gift for it. It's been it's been exciting to watch you. And it's kind of what brought us back together. You started listening yeah. to the podcast. You started reaching out to me. You did your podcast. and We started talking about it. And um, I would encourage anybody listening to this, go listen to Ty's stuff. It's, it's really interesting. If you're into motocross, definitely Plastic Princess. If you're into just personal development, kind of like you kind of de- define it as kind of a mentor through podcasts. Yeah. You know? Well, like I it's something that I didn't have, true. right. I didn't have that right. mentor father growing up and holy exactly. crap, man, that the end of, I don't want to be a spoiler alert. If somebody hasn't listened to your last episode with, with Matt, but the data at the end, I was like, how, how validating is that to what you're trying to do? How could you not right. listen to the data he's talking about and say, Oh my God, that's why this mission is so important. I mean, this is literally life, world-changing stuff, what you're doing, your mission. So, yeah. Yeah, thank you, brother. Yeah, that uh, Matt Thornton, uh, The Gift of Violence, that's a great episode, or great great guy, great message. And um, yeah, I think we have to just put stuff out there and hopefully it lands on people. I think what you're doing is going to land on people. If it hasn't already, it landed on me. So... And I think guys like, listen up, you know, I, I, I mentor 20 something year old, maybe he's 30 and he, he is so hard on himself. He's like, I haven't made the millions of dollars I wanted to make. I, I want a ton of property. And I'm sitting here going, dude, I'm 49 and I feel like I'm just getting started. Yeah. Like you gotta be okay with the journey you're on, but paying attention to it's important. I think guys like us at our age, if we can relate to a little younger crowd, if possible, it's hard, but if we can, I think we have so much wisdom through our own mistakes and our own journeys that if they can take a hold of it and really internalize it and work on it, they're going to have such a big advantage over where, where we are to the point when they're turning 50, maybe they're 10 years ahead of us. Maybe their 50 is our, our 50 is their 40. And that's kind of my like my desire is speed guys up through some of the process. And I really just I just really like that you're engaging in this kind of like I am like, hey, it's not too late. Yeah, I'm defining. I'm still working on defining who I am and what I am and what I have to give this world. And it's exciting. It's really exciting. It is. And, you know, the, the guy you're mentoring and he's thinking about all the money he doesn't have that he wants to have. You know, I, I've had this conversation with my wife many times because she likes to play the lottery. It's like her fun thing. And we don't have the lottery in Nevada, <laughs> ironically, because we have right. so much gambling. So we have to drive to California, which her family lives there. So we stop and get a lottery ticket every once in a while. But I've had this argument with her. It's not a, a, a you know, really a fight. It's more of like a fun argument. But I don't want to win the lottery. I think winning the lottery is like the worst thing ever. Like if I ever have money, I want it be to be because I did something very, very meaningful that had a financial payback to me for it. But I don't want somebody to hand me a huge chunk of money. And if you're, if you're, you know, mentee, um, all at once had all this money. I mean, he's not ready for that. 
You know, I no. think I think that now if I were to earn a whole bunch of money and become wildly successful, that it could be meaningful in my life now. But if I was, you know, 20 years ago, I all at once was a multimillionaire or billionaire and just had all this money. I don't think my I think my life would be worse now than it is. I think I'm a lot happier now because I didn't have that money because I've had to work through my life. And so now going forward, if I, you know, build one of my businesses, um, you know, or one something that I that I'm on like has a windfall, I think I could handle it. I mean, because it's it doesn't mean as much to me to have right. money. It means more to be someone, to be an authentic person with values. That was one of the the exercises that I really appreciated around the campfire that, that Jeff ran us through, which is, you know, like narrowing down your core values to five, which is really hard, but it's such a valuable thing. And like, I actually talk about that in the two worlds podcast with kids. And I, my, my recommendation to kids is sit down and do that exact exercise. Because if you decide what your values are, as you slip between these two worlds, the, the youth culture and the adult culture, then and those principles go with you and they must go with you because that's, you chose to be that person, no matter what environment you're in, then, you know, then your life can be a better life. And, uh, so anyway, I just, I really like that exercise. I've gone through it multiple times, but I, I feel like it's an exercise maybe you should do often. I don't think you can do it enough. Yeah. Uh, and just a little shout out to Jeff. He did a phenomenal job, Jeff Forster, and he's been on the podcast and parents are, and adults, if you're listening to this, one, he does coaching for for teens mm-hmm. and um, young adults on on defining your values. Does he have any events that he that does, together. like get-togethers, kind of like you know, the big I event? Don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. But I would I would encourage parents to reach out. I, I know the pricing; it's it's very reasonable. It's it's definitely an investment, but it's totally worth it. So I I'm looking at that with my kids mm-hmm. um, when they're when they're when the timing is right, and then. It's interesting that you're talking about this this a windfall or having all this money. And this is the example I gave to my mentor, mentee was I'm like, hey man, like you are holding on to everything. You're you're not spending money. You're not like you're worried about this family trip and how much it's gonna cost. I said, This is you're like the monkey. You know how they catch monkeys. Was the trap. Yeah, they can't you, get their hand put back something, out. <laughs> yeah, you, you put something in a container that's tied to something. And you, and you put something they want in that container. They reach their hand in and they grab it. And it's too big to pull out. Their fist now is too big to pull out of that. That monkey will stay there. Even if someone is coming to kill it, it'll stay there because it wants that thing in that jar so bad. Yeah. And the, the analogy here is that you got people who want money so bad that when they put their fist in the jar, they are and they maybe they win the lottery they're they're signing their own demise yeah because now they think that now they have all the money in the world and they can spend and be irresponsible they're just not physically mentally or emotionally ready for it and it's interesting i'm like man could i handle a windfall right now i think i could because i don't really care about the money i care about experiences yeah like my wife and i like if we could buy a massive property and build cabins on it and have families come and get rejuvenated have couples come and get rejuvenated and reconnected and we can provide a structure for that. Like, yeah, that's what I'll spend my money on. That sounds amazing, right? Yeah. You, you almost have to have this complete shift of what your purpose or your focus is. And doing that work like that we did at the event is the thing that gets you there. 
it's one of the things that can get you there. Well, so, and, and you know, like know. Christmas morning, you know, it's like it's the kind of the the canary in the coal mine for a family. If if you're a parent and you spend half of your family's wealth every year to to provide this giant pile of gifts for your kids, you're nuts because in five years or even a year later. They're not, when you say, what do you remember about last Christmas? They're going to say, I remember us all having hot chocolate together or that walk Mm -hmm. we went on, right? It's the experiences that matter to your kids, not the stuff. And so you're right. Like if you're that monkey in this analogy, if you will let go of that thing, that stuff, then you get this freedom to live your life and to gain experiences like you, how much experience can you have with your hands stuck in a hole and you're stuck in one place? You, you can't go out and, and explore the world. You can't, right. You know, so I, it's a great analogy. Um, don't be like a monkey, <laughs> be like a lobster, right? Oh, little Jordan Peterson. What's the lobster reference. do? Uh, you know, the I, 10 rules of life. I'll have your head held high. Be, be like a lobster. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Talk about a great book, man. Yeah. Yeah. Pooh hard to hard to like that was a ment anytime i listen to jordan peterson it's like a mental breakdown he's, for me i like he's get so far and like, my brain starts to melt yeah yeah he's he's there's so much depth you could listen to or read one of his books 10 times and still continue to get new stuff out of it because he's yeah he's a deep thinker for sure yeah it, it's a little it's a little intense i love it i absolutely love it but i have to take it in doses yeah yeah um, absolutely yeah so What's next, man? I mean, you're, you're doing, you're getting your degree, you're doing, you're making awesome apps, you know, your, your development, your, uh, your software development, I guess is what you would call it mm-hmm. is incredible. I've experienced it. It's good. You've, you've left some, you've done some epic development in the past, the Murph challenge. Yeah. And, um, you, you've, you've pretty much developed this, the level method app, you've done all these things and you're working on some really big things now. Like what are your goals? What are you, what are you aiming for? And it doesn't have to be, you know, work-wise or, or career-wise, but like, what's the big thing in sight right now? Well, the, the main thing is total world domination. Um, but other than that, no, <laughs> no, I, so I'm working on something with, so level method and uh, a partner company called flex. That is kind of my current passion. The guy, uh, Joe Tabaldi that I'm working on it with on a daily basis, I find him to be particularly inspiring and, He's just very much a visionary because uh, there's so many people out there that can write code. I mean, there's so many people, but how many people can build the next big thing? I think Joe's one of those guys. I think he really is. And so I'm super excited to work with him on that. Um, so flex, as far as my professional uh, life, that's development at least. And then my wife and I are looking at purchasing a building or purchasing land and building a building for our CrossFit gym. And moving out of the, you know, renter space. And we mm-hmm. just had a meeting with an architect yesterday and with the, the, the financier of the project. And it looks like it's probably going to happen. So that's pretty that's exciting. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's like the dream when you have a CrossFit gym, you always have neighbors complaining about noise, banging barbells and whatever people pushing sleds out in front. But if you have your own building, you can at least mitigate that. It doesn't mean all your struggles go away, but it solves a lot of problems. So we're excited about that. I'm I'm also very excited about, you know, I'm in my second life, you know? And so every day I wake up and yeah. I think, how can I make today meaningful? What can I do today that I'll be, that it's fulfilling? 
And a big part of that is, I mean, family, one of my core five was family. When we did that exercise, Mm -hmm. it's very, very big for me because I know that it's something that I, if I don't put effort into it, I'll regret. And if I do, it'll be rewarding period. And so I'm very excited about like trying to continue to help develop my kids. Now I've got one that's 17. She's almost out of the house. Um, I've got one that's 13 and I feel like it's, you know, as your kids get older, sometimes parents get this attitude like, well, I've, they've already, they've already developed. I can't do anything different. You know, that they are what they are and that's it. And that's just not true. Even when they're in their twenties, you can still have positive influence on them. So I'm excited about, you know, moving the ball forward on, on influencing them and trying to help mentor them. And, uh, yeah, so professional, personal, um, I gotta get my shoulder better so that I can, you know, start rolling in jujitsu and and that sort of thing. But, uh, yeah, those are, those are the big things for me. That's awesome. That's awesome. You're, I, I know from listening to you, I just, I, I want to kind of put this out there. I know from listening to you and spending time with you that you're, you're doing an amazing job as a husband and as a father and as, uh, you know, in your, your professional life. And I think more men need to see that mm-hmm. than you see the example and understand that it's possible and you can juggle it all and you can do all of it with excellence and that there is a pathway here. Oh, that, absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. And I, so I, I, um, I want to just kind of lift you up for doing such a great job. And it's just been an absolute honor to kind of, kind of be back in your life and have you back in my life. It's been incredible. Uh, like, and, and just to get to know you better at the, the event. And yeah. like I said, watch you and study you along with everybody else. I know it sounds creepy, but that's kind of what I do. And, um, it was, <laughs> creepy Scott, yeah, was you just, know, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and hear about, Oh gosh, maybe 30, different um dad jokes that i wish i could remember because they were really quite epic well i gotta i I gotta say the last time i was on you know when we tried to record this and i was sick it occurred (laughs) to me that you know i've heard that the most well and i tried it but in the most accurate way to measure somebody's temperature is to use a rectal thermometer but i don't like them because they just don't taste very good (laughs) (laughs) there we go i had to throw one in oh my god Oh my gosh, that was amazing. <laughs> this is exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, laughter is very, very good. And the dad joke stuff, dude, is just <laughs> so funny. <laughs> With that, I'm With going that to bring said, this yeah. to a close. Thank you, brother. Thank you for being on. Hey, listeners, by all means, go check out Turtle on the Fence Co- Post and uh, Plastic Princess if you're into dirt, dirt bike riding or uh, motocross. I don't know what you call it. but uh, And and Ty, you, you, Ty will be at the next event. I'm just kind of just projecting. No, I, I will be at the be. next event. Absolutely. So yeah, uh, the rest of you make make a way to get there. We're, we're limiting the numbers. That's the thing, right? It's right. Like, any many more than what we had, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, it and wouldn't so, be as good. It was. It was yeah. great. So, so yeah, hey, I'm sorry, you're going to have to fight for it. Let me just say to you, Scott. <laughs> I again, I I really appreciate what you're doing here. I, I appreciate that you're bringing on guys that I listen to every week. I look forward to Wednesday and when it's late, when the episode drops late, I'm disappointed. I'm not mad. I'm disappointed in you. Um, but I, it is a big part of my life listening to, uh, brotherhood of fatherhood. It's, it's huge. And it's, and it very quickly became a significant part of my life because I've gotten such good advice from other men. I've been inspired by these guys. And then I got to meet a lot of them, which was even more inspiring. So if you're, if you're a male and you are not 
in an environment where you can let your guard down from time to time and and be real with people, find it. But this is the community that you want to engage with. I know there are others. That's awesome. But I'm a little biased because I know you and I like you a lot. So um, get engaged with this. But thank you for this podcast because it's very meaningful for me in my life. And I know it's meaningful for a lot of other people. So thanks, awesome. man. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Everybody, just make sure that you, if you're in the uh, Reno area, you could go check out uh, CrossFit initiative yep and uh if you haven't checked out level method boy do that if you're a gym owner do that if you're a gym yeah, goer highly find a level method gym and and go experience that i worked for them for i think three four years it was phenomenal their system is phenomenal what ty has got going on uh software development wise is amazing and then listen to the podcast and uh, we'll see you on the other side Thank you for listening to the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to share it with your friends, your family, and follow us on social media. If you are a father, make sure you join our Facebook group, The Brotherhood of Fatherhood. Hit the subscribe button and tune in next time for more podcasts from The Brotherhood of Fatherhood.